Lord, we continue to worship God this morning. You know, what an awesome presence there is here today. What a privilege it is to have God with us in this church this morning. You know, I'm thankful for a word in the Bible that says, when we gather together in His name, He will be in the midst of us. And as I think Emma mentioned earlier, that on that day of Pentecost, you know, when they were gathered together in that place, in one accord, in one mind, the Spirit of God fell through that place. You know, and that's what's important, that's what's key here today. We can be seated here together, but, you know, unless we're in that one mind, that we all have that desire to draw nearer to God, that we've come here to worship Him, that we've come here to recognize Him as the King that still sits on the throne. You know, we can't expect God's presence to fall in this place, but that has to be our desire this morning. Just while I'm here, I just want to thank your pastor again for allowing an AYM team to come here today for this weekend. Um, we've all had a great time hanging with the youth. It's good to see the rest of the church today. But I'm excited again for tonight. We had a great service last night at youth. Emma said you're going to hear from me this morning, but I'm hoping we hear from God. But we heard from God last night. You know, we had an awesome presence of God in this place. You know, it's exciting to see that, you know, we don't, and I'm not putting you down, but it's exciting that we don't need a pastor or ministers necessarily for the presence of God to fall. Young people, you know, anyone, anyone can access Jesus at any time in their day. It doesn't have to be in a church service, but it can happen wherever you're at. We're going to be turning to the book of Joshua this morning. We're going to be in Joshua 2. Youth have got a head start. The rest of the church, you've got to catch up. This is following on from a message from last night, I believe, so you'll have to get up to speed. But in Joshua 2, we're going to read from verse 18 and verse 21. Starting at 18, it says, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And in verse 21, it says, And she said, and this is Rahab speaking now, And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. So I want to talk today about a promise in the window. You know, God truly has a purpose for us here today. We're not here by chance, we're here by choice. But God has a purpose for us. He has chosen us and called us out. You know, I mean, this isn't just a, on a singular level, but this is as a church body, as Northside Pentecostal Church. You know, this is for a body of Christ that is here in this city. It's not just on a singular level. But there is a part that we need to play to see the promise fulfilled. So why don't we just agree together in prayer, in one accord. So Jesus, I thank you again for that you are already moving in this service. You've begun in the prayer meeting this morning, Jesus. And I thank you that you are here today. And I pray right now that you would give me the mind of Christ God, the words that would be spoken out of my lips, I'm just a vessel. Lord, I just want to make myself available to be used of you. And I pray that you would speak this morning. And God, let our hearts be ready to receive it as your spirit comes down, as your word comes down. 
Let it be received by us that it wouldn't fall away on a hard surface, but let us draw this in, Jesus, that it will become a part of us and that we would respond today as you ask us to. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've got an account of a woman named Rahab in Joshua 2. And in this account in the Bible, it's not a story, it happened. But there's two spies that have been sent by Joshua to spy out this land. You know, they wanted to take it captive and he sent these spies out to look at the land, to scope it out. What's it like? What's it going to take for us to, to take this city? And they meet this woman, Rahab, and she's an outcast. She's just lowly in society. It says that she's a harlot. It says that her house was situated in the outer wall of the city. She wasn't just an outcast, but she was on the outermost part of the city, living inside its walls. And this is the woman that we hear about, and the king of Jericho knows that the men are in there spying out the land. And he sends some men to Rahab, And they speak to her and say, where are these men? And she's hidden them in this scripture. She's hidden them and they go away searching for them. They go out the city and try to find the men, but Rahab's got them all hidden away. And later on, these two spies, they escape the city to go back to Joshua and tell him of what they saw. But there was a deal made in this scripture that we read and Rahab had heard of what God had been doing. She had already heard that the Lord had given these men past victories She had already heard about these things that God had been doing through them. So she makes this deal with them and she says, it's pretty much a life for a life. I've spared you and I've hidden you. So I would ask that when you come, because I know that the Lord is with you and he's given you this city. But I would ask that when you come to take this city to destroy it, spare me. Spare my household, my father's house. And this is the deal that was made. The woman was living in a hostile environment. And we too, I think, spiritually speaking, live in a hostile environment today. You know, as soon as she helps the men, her own city become her enemy. She committed treason against the king. She would have been killed for what she did. Those men were coming to spy out to take the city. And by her hiding them... She has just claimed treason on the king and turned against him. So now she's living amongst the enemy. Can you imagine when Joshua comes in to take this city and they said, you know, hang this cord up in your window that you let us down by. You know, hang this cord up and we'll spare you. Get your family in the house and we'll spare you. But can you imagine when they come in with these great armies to take the city and there's all this fighting going on and here's Rahab and her family camped out in a house and all she's got for this promise is this little scarlet thread hanging in her window. Can you imagine what she would have been feeling thinking, is this thread enough? Is, is this enough? Is this all I have to do to be spared? Is this all it takes that I just hang this cord, this rope in my window and even though there's this battle going on outside, I would be spared? This outcast in society the person living on the outermost part of the city, that that you would spare me. And here today, we are all sinners who have been saved by grace. You know, we too are outcasts, so to say. But God has left us away. 
God has left us a promise. And realistically, you know, for some few years on earth to spend an eternity with Him, do we only have to hang up this scarlet thread? Do we only have to be baptized? Do we only have to seek after the Holy Ghost? Do we just have to live a life that's pleasing to Him? Is that all that I have to do and I get to spend an eternity with Jesus? What an awesome promise that we have. What an amazing thing that we have awaiting us. That's something to get excited about, church. That's something to praise Him about. That all we've got to do is just hang up our rope in a window. I woke up this morning and I think I'm still running on daylight savings time in New South Wales. We're three hours ahead of you. So I was up at about four or five this morning. And I had a phrase on my mind and it's from an old song. And it's from a thing that my high school even attributed to their anthem. But just the phrase, we shall not be moved. And if anyone knows the song, it says, I'm on my way to heaven. We shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. That's where I'm on my way to. And I don't care if there's things that are happening around me. And I think I've only got this hope in Jesus. But that's enough because I'm not going to be moved from the house of God. Rahab was in this city which was to be destroyed. But she had a promise. She had been given a word. And us here today, we're living on earth. And the Bible says that it too is going to be destroyed one day when he comes back for his church on that judgment day. But we have a promise and we have a word. We have a way out. Amen? We have a way out. and We must do what is necessary. You know, it's, it's not enough to just have a promise. But she had to get in the house. She had to stay in the house. She had to hang that thread up. And likewise, we have a promise in the Scriptures and in the Word, but it's not enough to just come to church once or twice. But we've got to make sure that we stick to this thing. We've got to stick it out to the end. You know, we can't be blown away by things that happen when trials come against us, but we've got to make sure that we stick it out and see it through to the end. When the battle comes, we're in the midst of our enemy. We should declare, declare that I will not be moved. I'm sure people might have heard the phrase, windows of opportunity. Windows. Obviously, I had to fly on an airplane across here. It would have been a long drive and an even longer walk. It would have taken me a while, but... I flew on a plane here and I find it, I don't know, a lot of people want window seats. But I went through the check-in progress, I got to Sydney Airport, I scanned my little barcode on the smartphone, it's so much easier, but anyway, you scan it, you go through the screen, yep, Brad Graham, he's checking into his flight, how many bags do you have, I've got one bag. Do you have any dangerous goods? And we declare this thing, but it gets to this screen about what seat do you want to sit in? Do you want to be in a middle? Do you want to be in the aisle or do you want a window seat? And I find window seats to be popular. So many people want them, but you, know, you, you have a vision with a window. You get to see out. There's nice scenery. You get to see the clouds rolling. 
You see the ocean beneath you, the landscape when you're taking off and landing. So the window can be a nice view, but the problem is you can get stuck when you're in a window seat. You can get stuck there and um, it's hard to leave a window seat because there's either one or two or more people sitting next to you. You can get stuck in the window. There can be obstacles in the way to get out from the window. It can be like Mission Impossible. You've got, I don't know, Mr. So-and-so that you haven't met before, but he's sleeping on your shoulder. You can have the lady that Emile's just arrived and she's got the tray down ready to eat and you're like, oh, I'm not even eating. I just want to get through. And I, I drink a little bit too much water probably on a plane, so you can see why I don't want window seat. I don't like window seats because I get stuck there. And I feel rude to have to barge on through all the time. And I chose an aisle seat. But I had a lady next to me in the window seat. And for the whole flight, as I'm trying to just read the Bible, I'm going over notes for this weekend and just getting my thoughts together for what God would have for us. And excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And she was from England, so she was all like, Chez, Chez, excuse me. But I'm like, oh, I'm in this obstacle in a way. She's stuck in this window seat. Yeah, but in an aisle, you can leave at any time. We don't have to worry about those obstacles. Windows are made to look out of. They're protection from the elements. They frame. They make a nice, pretty picture. They add character to a building. They're a functional thing. They can let the breeze in, but windows were never intended to go through. There's no passage near a window. And windows in life can sometimes give us a glimpse into what awaits beyond where we're at. Windows extend our vision from where we're at. But you're not meant to go through windows. You can get stuck just looking. But it's going to be the leading of Christ in our lives as we walk, a life pleasing to Him, that will take us from beyond where we're at. And we can't just be looking towards the promises but we need to make sure that we begin walking and we don't just get stuck near the window looking and going, what a nice view. What a great promise that awaits me. But we don't actually do what's necessary like Rahab did in the city. We don't hang up our scarlet thread. We don't stick it out through the church services and the midweek meetings. We don't do what's necessary for it to come into fruition in our lives. But we're just camped out saying, what a nice view. What great promises await me. The promise isn't enough. The vision is not enough. But we must change from where we are at. We've got to move from where we are at. Too often I think Christianity is a status change more than a change of behaviour. People on social media, they get to say in a relationship, out of a relationship. It's complicated. I don't even understand that one. But, oh, what religion are you? Oh, I'm a Christian. Your status might have changed because you're coming to church. But are you behaving like a Christian? The word Christian is Christ-like. And I wonder, has your behavior changed since you got a hold of God in your life? This scarlet thread that was hanging in Rahab's window... She had heard of this deliverance, but had to act on it. She had to stand her ground. She had to wait it out and be ready 
for when that time come that her promise would be fulfilled. How many of us today have heard promises? We're still looking out our window at the view. You know, when your pastor might talk about, we got to get serious about prayer, church. Because God wants to do this thing through Northside. Maybe he says, I really want you to get together in the midweek meetings and get more involved. Can you just come early to church and be in the prayer room before we start? Because, you know, it doesn't start when we start singing the songs, but our services start in prayer. Because if you don't start with God, how do you expect to finish this great service with Him? It's got to start in the prayer room. What about when your pastor says, Jesus has made a way to be saved? Be baptized. Seek after the Holy Ghost. These promises. But have you responded? It takes a response for it to be fulfilled. A window takes your vision to another place, but it won't take you there. Sometimes it's easier for us to continue in what's being handed to us instead of getting up and moving into what God would have for us. It's so easy to continue in the same old thing because it doesn't take any effort to change from where you're at. But we need to stop looking for the same thing over and over and over again. But we need to cast our vision onto the next thing and begin to walk towards it. It's a process. And you don't get places unless you go through the process. And if you don't go through the process to get it, then you don't have the power to keep it. If you don't allow God to shape you and mould you and submit to it, then where you want to be or where God's promised that you can be one day, you're not going to have the power to stay there unless you go through the process. Rahab couldn't have just let things be as they were, but she said, but according to your word, so be it. According to your word, I'm going to act on this thing. According to the word of God in the Bible and the scriptures. You know, it might seem silly for Rahab to just hang this thing up in her window and that's all she had to do. And maybe it seems silly to have to get baptised to go in the water and in Jesus' name and be immersed. It it seems silly. Maybe it seems silly to have to come to an altar and lift your hands up and say, God, I need you in my life. Maybe it seems silly to repent to someone that you, you can't necessarily see, but you've got to take it at a level of faith. Maybe it seems silly to have to come to church every Sunday or in the middle of the week. It might seem silly to have to dedicate some time to pray and seek after Him. But according to your word, Lord, I'm going to do it anyway. According to your word, I'm going to do it. There's a scripture that says, As a child I spake as a child. It continues and says, And when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's a process of growth and we need to mature in our walk with God. We shouldn't be the way we were when we first came to know Jesus, but we should be maturing in Him. 
who's heard of Eutychus. In Acts 20 verse 9, there was this young man named Eutychus and he's sitting by a window. He was in church. He was in church, but he was sitting by a window. And Paul was preaching. And hopefully I'm not like Paul this morning and send people to sleep. But it was about midnight at this time and Paul's preaching and Eutychus fell asleep. And he mustn't have been on a very good chair because, or he moved a lot in his sleep, I don't know. Might have been one of these guys that messes up the covers and wakes up and thinks, I made this bed last night. But it says that Eutychus fell out of the window. And he was three stories up and he died. And just something stuck out to me when I read that scripture about the fact that it was near midnight when Paul was preaching. And prophetically speaking, we say as a church that we are in the last hour. That Jesus is coming back and these are the last days before his return. And let me say that in this last hour, I don't want to be left found falling asleep near a window when there's a work to be done. I don't want to fall asleep and get stuck near that window, but I want to be moving and doing something in this last hour. As that last day approaches, don't find yourself sleeping. Don't find yourself relaxing and taking it easy in your walk with God. You know, sure, it goes on and says, Eutychus got raised back up to life. And if you've fallen away, then Jesus is always ready to raise you back up again. He will raise you back up again if you desire it. But the thing is, I don't want to be found relaxing in these last days. I want to be working for the Lord. I want to be active. But how? How are we going to get there? And I just want to mention something about Revelation this morning. See, Rahab received an understanding of who God was. Because she had heard these things that he was doing through Joshua and Israel. And she had this understanding of who God was. She had received a revelation. And I want to see the Church of Australia move forward. I want to see us accomplish what God wants us to do. But it's going to take a revelation in our lives of who God is and what He wants us to do before we really get a hold of it. See, I didn't want to come here and spend hundreds of dollars to be with you this morning to impress. But I want to come here and make an impact. Something that's going to last. Something that's going to change from this day on. Back in Joshua, we read that Rahab says, I know the Lord gave you the land. I heard it. I heard about the Red Sea that was dried up. You've come out of Egypt. I heard what he did with the kings of the Amorites. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt for the Lord your God. He's in heaven. He is in heaven above and the earth beneath. She had a revelation of Jesus. She received a revelation of who God was. Paul writes to the Ephesians. And we can turn there if you want. I want you to read this in Ephesians 1. While you're turning there, I'm going to get a drink before I pass out. Ephesians 1, and we're going to read from verse 15 to 17. I think pages have stopped rustling. 
So starting in verse 15 in Ephesians 1, it says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what I want you to read. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, we can't just pray for good church. We can't just pray to have a closer walk necessarily. We can't just pray for this thing and that thing. But what we need to do, we need to begin to pray for a spirit of revelation in our lives. We need to, you know, God reveals His Word to us by His Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost working in us. And we need that revelation of who God is. And I'm getting to a point, I don't think you're with me yet, we're almost there, but the woman at the well in John 4, in verse 22 it says, You worship, you know not what. You don't even know who you worship. And this is Jesus speaking to this woman. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh. Oh, there's that hour again. You don't know what you worship. But an hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You don't even know what you worship. And the hour is coming when God is looking for true worshippers. God is looking for you this morning. God is looking for one of you this morning. But we can't truly worship until we have a revelation of who Jesus is. See, praise is easy. Praise, we're just saying who God is. Your King, your Alpha, your Omega. Praise is just saying who He is. But worship comes through a revelation in our own lives of who God is. I don't know. I don't know if we're worshipping yet. Praise tells God who He is. But when we worship, it's because we've received a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. We have personally realized that He is King. We have personally known Him to be our healer, our strength, our deliverer, our strong tower, the Almighty One, the Alpha, the Omega, our beginning and our end. That is when worship becomes true worship. It's no longer words anymore, but we truly connect with what we sing about. We connect with it and say, God, how great you are, Lord. How great you are, Jesus. I'm not just saying it because I know my God to be great. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. See, this is worship. This is worship now. Hallelujah. You know, when our view of God changes, 
when our view begins to line up more with who He is, our worship takes on a new level. Our prayers go to a new level. Because all of a sudden we have this understanding that God really can do these things that I'm praying for. He really can reach my city. He really can do something in someone's life. He really can heal, as we've heard through Paul, the youth last night. He can do it. And when we truly believe it, what desperation comes out when we pray, God, do a work in my city. God, break down the strongholds that there are. God, set people free. I know that you can do it. See, when our view of God changes, we release Him to move in our situations. We give an opportunity for God to actually be God and actually do what He wants to do. But He's waiting on us to pray for that revelation. He's waiting on us to push deeper. Hallelujah. Now, you can't know God without experiencing it for yourself. You can't learn God. Yeah, you can read this all you want, but without revelation, without revelation, reading it's not enough. Just knowing about Him isn't enough. But we need to know Him, not just about Him. God's always been willing to move, but He's waiting on us. Too often, He is ready to move, but we aren't there. We aren't in the house. We haven't put our thread up yet. And he's just waiting. I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. But where's my church? Where's my true worshippers? I'm looking for them. It's the final hour. I've got things that I want to do. I've got people I want to reach. But where's my church at? In the next chapter of Joshua in chapter 3, we read of their process that they went through. They're traveling to the promised land. They've seen through their window and they've seen a promise that's being given to them. And as they walk, it says that there's to be 2,000 cubits between the Ark of the Covenant being carried by the priests and between the people following it. And the Ark of the Covenant to us today represents the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was going before the people as they walked. And the story, this account continues that they were commanded to look for the ark and to follow it. They had to look for where God was and they had to follow after it. And it says that you need to keep your eyes on the ark because you've never been this way before. You've never been here before and you need to keep your eyes upon me. And we're getting to a point. We can't rush ahead of God. In our own self, we might want to be somewhere already. We might already want to be in this new job or this situation or have a family or whatever else. We might want to be somewhere, but we can't rush ahead of what God is wanting to do. You know, if you ever want to go from where you are at right now to a place that you have never been, then I want to declare that you have the full authority of the throne of God before you. You know, we can proceed with full confidence that the unseen but very real power of God is with us. But the catch is that we need to keep our eyes on Him. We need to keep looking to Him for our direction. 
Where's God moving? Where's God moving? I've got to go over there. God's going there. I'm following after where the Spirit is leading me. Because our thoughts are not His thoughts or ways His ways. You know, they had already been given their promise, Joshua and Israel. And they were following after this presence, the presence of God, to get them there. And we can't just do church our life without being near to the presence of God. We can't live as a Christian without being near to the presence of God. We can't just walk the way that we think we need to walk because if we're trying to get to a deeper walk with Him, we've never been there before. And we need to keep our eyes on Him and look for Him, look to Him for the leading. Because if He wants to take us to a new place, there's going to be only His presence that will get us there. It's only going to be His presence going before us that will do it. Where we're at. I'm going to come to a close in a second. In Joshua 3, it says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord shall, when I'm breaking this up, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, the waters will stand upon a heap. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the people could pass over. So they were following the ark in this presence. And while we're walking with Christ, we don't have a reason to fear. Because when we get to a situation in our life that might seem impossible to cross, if we've allowed the presence of God to go before us, then when our feet get to that situation, there's going to be an opening and a way to get through. You know, maybe walking up to it, we're like, there's no door. There's no way through yet. There's no way through. But I'm still walking because that's where the presence is going. And when you get there, it opens up. Because if we have that revelation of who Jesus is, we don't care that we see impossibilities and where he's leading us. Because we know God to be God. It's become a personal thing. And we're worshipping him. I thank you, God, because you're taking me over there. I don't know how I'm getting through. I don't know how it's going to happen. But you're going before me. And you're God Almighty. You are the sovereign one that sits on the throne. We sang how great... How great you are, God. You know, we got to be determined and get desperate. And I'm going to be landing this plane soon. I'm getting your landing gears down. You're ready to close up soon. I'll probably call the musicians in a few minutes. A men's prayer the other night. It's just a Tuesday night and we were praying and so often I'm praying, you know, for God to open and shut doors. Where are you leading me, Lord? Open and shut doors. And, you know, just recently God's really been stirring me up that I'm really wanting to seek after the deeper things of Him. I'm wanting to know Him more. I want to make a difference in these last days. I don't want to just be casual or relaxed about this thing like Eutychus. But I want to get serious about this thing. I want to get desperate in my relationship with God. You know, I began to pray and I thought, you know what? I'm sick of just praying for doors to be open. But God, if there's even a window that is left open just a little bit, then I'm about ready to jump through that. And maybe I said earlier that windows were never designed to go through. But guess what Rahab let the spies through? She let them down through the window. She let them down through a window. And we need to be looking 
through opportunities to serve God. We need to be looking for opportunities to get involved. And maybe it doesn't quite look like a door yet, but if there's even an opening, the slightest opening that God's allowed, then you get in there and you go forward with the full authority of Jesus behind you. I don't want to be stuck camped out next to these promises and windows just looking out when the whole time the window's just been left a little bit ajar and I could have gone through, but I was still just looking out waiting for a door. I'm just going to close. We're just going to come back to Rahab, the promise in the window. In Joshua 2, verse 18 and 19, when we come into the land, and if the musicians want to come now, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which you let us down by, and you shall bring your father, your mother, your brethren, your father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whoever goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be upon his own head. And we will be guiltless. But whoever is with you in the house, their blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid upon them. You know, this promise, this covenant that she had received with the spies, we have the same offered to us today. It was a life for a life, our life for your life. That's what the promise was between Rahab and the spies. But in our walk with God, if we flip it around, Jesus lost his life for us. Are you willing to lay aside your own for him? You know, the promise extended just beyond, beyond Rahab. It extended to a family. But it wasn't so yet. She had to bring them into the house. She had to get them in the house. You know, God promises, promises to save all. It's not his desire that any would perish, but it's God's desire that all would receive everlasting life. But we have to get him into the house. We've got to get him into church. We've got to begin to lay aside our own life for his, because Jesus laid aside his. You know, the blood of the lost is not on Jesus if they don't stay in the house, if they choose to leave. The blood wasn't on the spies. They promised that no harm will come to those in the house. But if anyone chooses to go out of those doors, it's not on us. Don't blame God when people walk out of the doors of the church. They might try to blame your pastor. They might try to blame the music. They might try to blame any silly thing. But it's on them. And it's not Jesus' fault. It's not even your fault. But they've made a choice to leave. But what if they stay? What if they stay in church? What if we stay what if we stick it out to the end? What great things will our great God do?
We shall not be moved. Rahab obeyed and her house was blessed. And if you put God first, and if there's only one that does it today, look at the difference that Rahab made for her household. It goes on in Scripture that her household did not perish with the others. So if only one person would step out today and put God first, it's not going to just affect you but it's going to impact the house of God. It's going to impact those around you. It's going to impact your workplace, your school situation, wherever you're at. Because you've put God first and He's doing things through you. When we repent and begin to worship Him, you know, this this thread that was hanging in the window, they didn't see the destruction, but they saw the promise and they looked beyond Rahab. And when Jesus sees the blood applied to our lives in baptism, he doesn't see the sin. He sees the promise of redemption. When we repent, we begin to worship him as our God. He doesn't see our past mistakes and failures. But he sees the fact that we will be filled with the Holy Ghost and be victors through him. So I wonder this morning, and I'm going to leave you with this question. Have you caught a glimpse of a promise for your life? Have you caught a glimpse of something that God has for you in His Word? Whether it's a promise to be baptized, and I won't look at your sin. If you repent to me, I'll forgive you. The promise that anyone who seeks after my Holy Spirit in living in them, God inside of us, I will fill them. These are the type of promises we have. Maybe it's a promise that God wants to reach some people through you. Maybe it's a promise that God's calling you into a ministry. Maybe it's a promise that God has these things in store for you and you've got a glimpse of it. You've caught a glimpse into the heavenlies, but what will you do with it? Are you going to camp by your window like Eutychus in the final hour, relaxing? Or are you going to be like Rahab? who heard the word, who heard the promise and responded, hung it up, and she stuck it out until the time was ready for her to walk out of that city in victory. I'm going to open up a chance for you to step out this morning. There's nothing special about the front of this church, but something happens when we get up out of our seat camped by the window and we step out the front and say, God, I'm making a declaration I'm making a stand for you this morning that I'm going to stick it out, that I'm here to stay, that I'm looking for opportunities to serve you. And if just a window opens, God, then I'm going to step through it and trust in you. I'm going to step out and trust you. As the Ark of the Covenant went before the Israelites and they had their victory, God is going before us. And this is why I shared with the youth last night that God is for you. He is on your side. And when you make steps towards Him, then you've got the fullness of God going before you. So would you step out this morning, just a step of faith and say, God, use me. We're all just vessels. There's nothing special in us. But what's special is the fact that God chooses to do something through us. We're just earthen vessels. We're not pretty. But God 
has chosen the church. We had an interpretation in Faith Point a few weeks back. And God said, I'm speaking to my church. I'm calling out to you tonight. You are my hands and feet. And what struck a chord with me is when the interpretation come through and he said, I need you. God needs us. He needs us. These weak vessels. But God said, church, you're my hands and feet. I've gone back up into heaven and I've left you to do a work. He needs us to make ourselves available. He needs us to step out because he's just waiting to do some things. He's just waiting to do it. But are we there walking around feet, standing on the edge of the Jordan? And I'm here, God. I'm ready to walk through. Or are we still standing back here saying, no way, I'm ever going to get through that. There's no way. So I'm not even going to bother walking. But if we trust God and want to make ourselves available this morning. If you've never been baptized, it might seem silly. But would you step out in faith according to your word, God? I'm going to do it. Because I want to be saved. Worshipping seems silly. But according to your word, Jesus, you said you will fill me with your Holy Ghost. And I want that. Because I need that to be saved as well. I want to repent. It seems silly, God, but I need your forgiveness. Maybe you don't think you've done anything wrong, but the scriptures say that we're all born sinners. So we all need Jesus. Maybe you've lived a perfect life compared to society's standards, but without Jesus in your life, without that covering, without that promise hanging in your window that you haven't acted on yet, you can't receive it yet. Maybe God's calling you to an area of service in the church. Maybe you feel a calling on your life. Maybe, maybe you don't even know. And you don't quite know what God's voice is like yet. But He knows yours. And if you would step out and just make yourself available, then God is going to begin to do things through you. You're going to begin to get that. Pray for that revelation. Why don't you step out and pray for a greater revelation this morning of Jesus? Because that's what changes our behavior when we truly believe God to be God. I've said enough. But this is open to step out. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Well, I don't want to just praise. I want to worship. I want to worship this morning. I want to worship out of a personal revelation of my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 